Yo, guys, I'm going to say something radical here, and it might piss a lot of you off, but I'm willing to accept that. You don't have anxiety. I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. This is the Music Fit Podcast. Let's do this thing. Oh, ho, ho, bold move, Cotton. Let's see how this one plays out for him. Shout out to Dodgeball, the infamous cotton and pepper routine. Probably the most quoted movie in my vocab. Now, before we get into that, and before we get into the content of today's awesome show, I want to talk about what I mean by off the top of that. You don't have anxiety. I know, radical thought. But the word have really limits us, okay? It puts us in this little compartmentalized box of permanence. Uh, It's such a passive word. And by passive, I mean it puts you in the the passenger seat of your own story. If if you were a car (laughs) and your story was that car, you're in the passenger seat. You're not driving. You have no agency. You have no control. And before we even get into the guest, I want to congratulate. Today was also a really, really big day. Today was the, the final week of our first... Uh, group of music fit method movement coaches and we closed the class down speaking about agency and how the method is exactly that it gives you a framework to work from to govern and make decisions in your own life based off of how you feel you know start with breath slow things down and I think that's the key is that a lot of people that are making these upregulated decisions and have anxiety are just because they, they're passengers in their own story, right? So if you don't want to be a passenger in your own story, remove that word from your vocab, okay? You don't have anxiety. You may be currently experiencing anxiety, which gives you ownership, gives you action. You are an active participant in the story. You're currently experiencing it, all right? And that also puts a time and a place, you may tomorrow not be currently experiencing it, right? It takes away that permanent nature, which is super, super cool and gives you, again, governance of your own life. How does that all tie in? Well, today we are talking with Paris Prinkevich, who is the host of Crooked Illness Podcast. And uh, we've got a few mutual friends in the world. She is a specialist of mindset and mental wellness and she herself has overcome quite a bit of mental illness overcoming bipolar uh anxiety depression like everything you name it and she gets right into the story so i won't ruin too much of that i'll let her she's much better at explaining her story and uh, we get into it but uh, she also comes from uh, an educated background as well she's got a ba in psychology and she also has an mba in her uh, healthcare administration. So really, really cool, informative place. Her podcast is all about focusing on bringing those conversations to life and really opening that space and becoming vulnerable and becoming normal with it. And uh, a big passion of hers is to defeat that stigma of what mental illness means in the industry. So I was really excited to have her on the show. And without further ado, we might as well get right into it. All right, this is my conversation with Miss Paris Prinkevich. All right, guys, welcome back. I've got, I'm stoked. I got, I got a smoking awesome guest here today. I'm actually a big fan. I'm, I'm trying not to fangirl here myself because I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'm sitting down with Paris Prinkevich. See, we got that. Yes. Spent the first seven minutes trying to pronounce your name. <laughs> Paris P., who is uh, the wonderful host of Crooked Illness Podcast, which we'll get into in a minute here and all of the fun things that we're going to start talking about. But I really wanted to start with, you sent me notes that your walk-up song, I, I just had to, I got to get the background on this because on the surface, I don't associate you with We Own It by 2 Chains, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> There's got to be a story. Let's get into it. What's, I love it. So that? I feel like that has always been like my favorite, like go to song in the gym. Like, cause you know, how you have those songs, those gym playlists that you're just like, this is a song that will help me finish this cardio and like get my shit done. So I love it. And I've, it used to be my favorite song. And I'm right when I read that question, cause you were like, what's your walk up song? I was like, right away, I was like, we own it by two chains. And I, I literally typed that. And I, I thought I'm like, I'm going to send this in. And he's probably going to look at this and be like, what? Like I was expecting like something else or something different, but it's like, all right, like this is the style we're going to go with. But I just, I don't know. And I also loved the fast and furious movies like right. back in the day. And oh, yeah. I remember that song coming on and I'm just like, it just makes you feel like you can do backflips and like all kinds of crazy shit that like you probably can't do, but it just like makes you feel like you're superhuman. That is it right there. And that's, I mean, a big part of what I want, I wanted to, to chat with you about is um, the, the origin of Crooked Illness podcast and your whole story really does lend itself to, to the audience that we work with, with, uh, with Music Fit here, especially being creatives, music professionals, the imposter syndrome, all of this stuff that that that's one of the reasons why the walk up song is so important to to have like that's a that's you know you want to get esoteric and all metaphysical here like everybody's got to have that jam to really bring them up into their peak performance so let's get into the story how did you how did you discover how did you get into the mental health yes. how did you get into like you've got a ba in psychology mm -hmm. you've got an mba healthcare admin yes there's some story <laughs> there what led you down yes. this road in the first place okay i love this i i love this so yeah so what led me down that path is i it actually started in like high school like I've always been like such a big nerd and I was the, always that person who like loved school and like loved learning and like loved being there and I love psychology so that was my favorite class and it's because I've always been so fascinated by just human behavior and like why people do the things they do like where do these behaviors come from like what does this mean all of these questions and I'm like this is just so interesting and also where crooked illness came from so the I launched crooked illness in it was February of 2020 so like January 31st so it's like February February of 2020 and the reason I did that is because I wanted to not only create a place where I could tell my own story but create this platform for other people to come on and talk to me about their stories, resources, their businesses, all related to mental health and mindset. So the name Crooked Illness, I actually have an episode on it. It's like, it's actually called The Origin of Crooked Illness on there and then my mental health story. So if you guys want to check that out, it'll go way more into detail than I will right now. I'll just give you like a brief rundown, but I have two main perspectives. So at 19 years old, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I was hospitalized. I was actually a patient in a psychiatric hospital struggling just really, really badly from inside the walls of that hospital. So that was at 19. And then at 23 years old, I graduated from school and I actually ended up accepting my first job at the very same clinic that I was a patient at. So I got to see things from both sides. So from the side of being a patient, in the hospital, going through, you know, a year of court ordered services, you know, trying to take better care of my mental health on that aspect. And then on the other aspect of working in the field, going out to hospitals, doing visits with people and seeing that, seeing it from a different perspective, but what it allowed me to see more than anything was the stigma, the stigma that I still clung to, that I still had inside of myself, that I was still afraid and, and basically kind of lived in fear every day of like, what if people find out that like, I was, I was hospitalized or I have this, you know, like I'm on this medication or I was misdiagnosed or all these things that I, and, and it honestly came from the narrative that I created in my own head. It wasn't even based in reality. I would just tell myself these things and work myself into being so stressed out, overwhelmed. And I just wanted to run away from it. I didn't want anyone to know this because I thought that they would think, you know, oh, you're crazy. Like this girl is like a mess, like can't be around her out of control, all these things. So yeah. So that's really why I decided to launch it. 
and talk about my story, talk about my experiences and then open it up for other people because, you know, that's such a great way to continue to learn and grow because I feel like I could, you know, of course, like do it on my own, but having people come on and tell me things that, you know, I never heard of before, like resources that I never even knew were a thing I think is incredible because it brings so much out for other people to engage with, like people who feel they've lost hope. Like when it comes to like, not just mental health, but just like mindset, like working on our mindsets, trying to, you know, work on personal development or just be more positive or practice gratitude. Like there's so many topics that I cover and it's all mental health and mindset. So that is just the little rundown of where it was all born and why I decided to do, to do it. Um, you said something really interesting, Paris, and I want to touch back on that because uh, you mentioned the the biggest frustration is having, having that that stigma. What is that stigma? Is it different in uh, wherever wherever people are? Is it a global thing? What is the stigma around mental health? Yeah. So honestly, like if like if we're talking about it in bigger picture sense, I think it exists in because I feel like it's at least for me, right? Like me growing up, every conversation I ever heard really about mental health or mental illness was always very in a negative light. It wasn't a good thing, basically. So everything I would, you know, see on TV or in the movies, or especially, you know, growing up and my mom's sister was bipolar. So everything I heard from her about that was just like, you know, she's so hard to be around. She's out of control. Like there's no, they don't have a relationship. And I, and I literally grew up hearing all this stuff. So of course I'm going to think like, if anyone struggles with this, why would you talk about that? Cause then it's like, people are like, not going to want to be close to you. So that's kind of where it came from for me. And I think other people, I've had so many conversations about just stigma and people who, you know, have been diagnosed with something or, you know, whether it comes from like trauma or something else, you know, having stigma tied to this event or something and not wanting to, or not even knowing how to start a conversation because you find it difficult or challenging, or you, or maybe you don't want to make someone else uncomfortable. Like you're not sure, like, should I get into this? Or is this person going to be uncomfortable with this? And that's where I really think it comes from. And for me, at least it was overthinking so much. Like I was constantly overthinking and being like, I could, and I remember even being in college and like trying to hide my medications from my roommate who I've known. She's incredible. I've known her for like two, like yeah, ever since college. And I would be so afraid, like, what if she sees me taking this and is like, oh, like, what is that for? And then I have to make up some lie and be like, oh, I have migraines or something because I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I would tell myself like, there's no way that I can tell people that I was diagnosed bipolar, that I was hospitalized because that I just can't. And that was the, that was the reality I created for myself. So once I finally overcame that and was like, you know what, it's actually like, we all have days where we aren't feeling our best. And like, we need to normalize this and make it a thing to where we can talk about it without being looked at as, oh, you're weak. Or that's like weird. Like, why are you going to tell me this? You know, I think it's like making it more normal. I feel like is going to help us continue to work in the right direction of making these conversations more normalized and less stigmatized. So people can feel more comfortable talking about things, getting help and understanding that like you can move forward from any situation as long as you actually believe that yourself. So you need to start with you and your awareness of this, because if you don't have that awareness and you don't think you can come out of it, then you're not going to, because you've already, you already set it up that way. And that's kind of, you know, how I lived for years is in kind of this basically black hole mentality of, you know, this is my life. I can't talk about this. And then it's like, how do you like, how do you move forward and live your life? If you're always afraid of this thing that's, you know, that has affected you or is, you know, part of your life that you're just like, I can't ever show this side of myself. Then that sounds like a terrible life to me. That sounds like you're not living. You're not really here. You're just kind of trying to hide and just make it through your days instead of actually being here and like excited about life. So I was like, I need to kind of just get over this. And that's when I just went for it. And I'm like, I'm going to tell my story. And I was like, I don't know how people are going to respond. I was like, I was terrified. I'm like, I don't know if people are going to like listen to this and hear this and just be like, like, I didn't know at all. And I was really scared, but actually the reactions I got were not what I expected. I did not expect people to be like, 
wow. Like, you know, thank you so much for like sharing your story. I didn't expect that. I thought I'm like, maybe no one's going to even listen to this. I'm like, no, I'm like, no one's going to listen to this. No one's going to care about this. I'm like, I'm just going to do it for me. I'm just going to do it for me. But honestly, it's been such an incredible experience so far. And like, just, just connecting with everybody and like being able to get closer to people and like bring these resources to light and just really have more of these conversations. I feel like I always get off these podcasts, like just so fired up and excited. And I know I will after this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, you got two chains rocking it. Right? I know. <laughs> How can you not? Again, to come back to your podcast, the reason I'm a, I'm an avid listener too, is because one thing is that it's clear that you do have, as you just expressed to anybody who is just meeting you now, um, how much passion you have for it. And the one thing that really caught my attention is that you have your uh, your liner notes and you have everything set up. If you're interested in becoming a guest, like that right there sends out, like we're, we're unscripted, we wanna hear everybody's story. And that is so critical in my experience in the organizations that I work with, with, uh, with Unison Benevolent Fund, that we wanna share the stories to make the things more normal. On that note, one thing I'm really interested to hear your perspective on is you mentioned I was I was, you know, hiding my bipolar medication and saying, oh, no, 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 it's it's, it's for migraines. One thing I've struggled with is understanding why it's OK to have medication for a migraine and it's not OK to have medication for a mental illness mm -hmm. uh, like, such as bipolar. What is the difference and why do we have that stigma yes. between mental and physical health? And That's is there anything that we can do? Oh my gosh. I love that question so much because, so I actually didn't, um, say the migraine thing. I was just thinking that in my head. I'm like, I would, I would just think like, what if she sees me taking this and then I have to make up some kind of lie. And that really brings me to like the answer to this question as I think there is such a huge relationship between our physical health and our mental health. And that is something that I never took seriously until like, I think two years ago, really. Cause I, I always was just like, I don't need to worry about, you know, what I'm putting into my body or like my mind or any of this stuff. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, and that was because I was living, I was still, I was still so laser focused on the struggle and the problem that I could not see anything else. I couldn't see any solutions. I couldn't see everything I saw was an obstacle to me. This is a barrier. This is a problem. I suck. You suck. The world sucks. So that's like, that was me. And to overcome that and really kind of answer that and say, you know, why is it okay, you know, to talk about and say, oh, I have, you know, medication for migraines or I get headaches or, and I feel like it is so, it is so different because I feel like those conversations are so much easier to get into. And we hear a lot more of, you know, like, I mean, even if like, I, I remember like literally getting into the elevator here and like being still kind of being afraid, like carrying my, like, Walgreens pharmacy medications. And I'm like, should I put this in like my purse or like try to hide it? Cause like, what if like, but it's like, but like, what, where does this come from? Like, why am I always like, what if people ask me and then I have to, it's like, who cares? Like if someone is like, what is that? And I'm like, I take this because I'm, I have this diagnosis and this it's bipolar. It's yeah. Medication for that. So I'm like, but why is it so hard? Because I feel like it, that kind of goes back to the stigma piece and like being concerned and worried and, just like embarrassed or feeling shameful that like you are taking medication for this thing that you, you know, feel like is a part of you that you don't wish you had. And I think it's, that's why it's hard for some people to, to, to like talk about those things. And I totally get it. Cause I used to be, I used to be like that. I would be, you know, I was also, you know, when I was 16 misdiagnosed with depression. So I've been on like all kinds of different medications and, all this stuff, but I think um, it is something that I think we need to continue to work towards making more normalized because, you know, if we see all these things in the world, right, like all these news stories of, you know, domestic violence or, you know, people going out and just shooting people and having all these shootings and murders and all these stuff. And when you really think about it, all of these things stem from some kind of mental health related issue because no one just wakes up out just completely like and is like, I'm going to go do this right now. You know, it come, it's, it's a buildup. There's something that, you know, I, I can't speak to, at least this is what I think it is. I think it's kind of coming from some place of pain, trauma, loss, something that this person isn't dealing with, or maybe feels like they can't deal with. And then it just explodes and it just is like that. And that's why I get so like, 
sad when I see stuff like this because it's like, it's like, it's just, it's sad because it, you know, people are struggling with their mental health and they're just, and letting it go and letting it get worse and worse and worse. And that's what I did. I was, and that's how I actually ended up putting myself in the hospital because no one around me actually believed me at the time. I remember why I would, I would actually go to my therapist and then my psychiatrist. And I would say, this is when I was still diagnosed with depression. I'd be like, I don't think I have this, you know, I'm like, I I'm like, I'm telling them, I'm like, well, my aunt's bipolar. Like I've been research, researching the symptoms. I'm like, I have all this energy. I'm working two jobs. I'm in college. I don't, I'm out going out partying, spending all my money, like all, all this stuff. And it's like, I'm racing thoughts, just never running out of energy. And then I crash and I'm like, just so sad and so down. And I'm like, something else is going on. But then everyone was like, no, like, you know, you look at on the outside, right? Like you seem stable, like you're working two jobs, you're in school, you're getting A's in your classes, you have a relationship. And I think this happens a lot with people who struggle with their mental health is like, if you see them and you look at them and you're perceiving them as, wow, you know, this person looks great to me. Like, you're like, there's no, there's no way they have, you know, they're bipolar or they're schizophrenic or they have anxiety. Like they, they seem great to me. And that's, that's all kind of a facade. And that's what I wanted to present to people. I didn't want people to look at me and be like, something's wrong with her. Cause I didn't want to, first of all, I didn't want to worry anyone. I didn't want, I felt like I was, I was going to be basically a burden to people around me. If they're like, something is clearly wrong with her and I don't know how to help her or fix this. So I wanted to look a certain way. So I didn't cause that for anybody. And I kind, I just would really want to be isolated and just be alone. And that is also not good for you. Like when you're really like, when you're not in a good place, just wanting to be alone, alone, alone. And just, that is not good. So I, that's why I just, I'm so passionate about this. And I love, you know, these conversations and like doing all I can to work towards helping people in this, because, you know, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been a patient and then I worked in the, the industry. So I've seen the issues and like the gaps in the care and like all these things. So, you know, and I definitely think there is a way to fix it and make it better. And part of that, the first step is these conversations is talking about it and just like bringing it more to people's awareness and letting people know about, you know, what is this like, or what was this like for me? Because maybe some people listening don't have a lot of experience with mental health, or maybe they don't, you know, they just haven't been around a lot of people who talk about mental illness. So they don't know what it's like, you know? So I think it's just important to, you know, do, do what we can to try to let people know what's going on and try to put some kind of plan together to make things better for people for sure. For the listeners out there, here's some stats. I'm, uh, I just pulled up uh, off an article of the Canadian Musician Magazine here. They did a, a study with the East Coast Music Association back in 2018, the Mental Health Survey, and it came back with some extremely concerning results. And this is interesting uh, notes. I want to hear what your take is on this, Paris, here. Yeah. Most alarming, 50 respondents, 20% reported suicidal thoughts in just the past month. Wow. Now, to put that in perspective, the Canadian average is 3.3% in the past 12 months, okay? As well, half of the ECMAs, the East Coast Music Award um, or Association respondents reported being concerned either pres presently or in the past about their own drug and or alcohol consumption and 26% said that they attempted suicide at least once in their life. Wow. Oh my gosh. And this, this is a survey from, from where is it? From 2018 East 2000. Coast Music Association. So oh my gosh. East Coast Canada here. Yeah. So like our, our uh, Atlantic provinces, outrageous wow. numbers. Yeah. And, oh and, my that's, goodness. and that's just a sample and that's just in the music industry. So this is why our conversation here today, I think is so pivotal because there, there is a lot of it's, it's underneath the surface. And you said something very interesting. I want to get your, your thoughts on to expand on is that we talk about trauma and we talk about how isolation and quarantine, and especially with the whole COVID mm -hmm. fiasco of the last year and, and a bit here, 
how does that play a role? And then tying it back to what you found with physical wellness, what, what are some strategies that worked for you to battle that type of isolation? Yeah. So honestly, what really helped me, like the first primary thing that I really had to deal with was unresolved trauma. Cause that was something for me that I was just like, you know, I would hold on to, and I'm just like, just move forward with your life. Like, just like, why can't you just move past this? Like, why can't you just get up and like, go about your day. But it was always in the back of my mind. It was always in the back of my head. And I just, and I'm like, I can't get away from it. And it was like just a very crippling feeling. So that was the first step is like talking about this because I remember, you know, at 15 years old, so at 15 years old, I went through a sexual assault and that was something that I did not talk about until like, I think years later in therapy. And I actually, I think remember writing about this in my book. Cause I just finished writing my book. Like there's a part in there where I talk about literally being at my gynecologist's office, like at 18 years old. And I was there because I was supposed to be getting an IUD put in. And I remember, you know, obviously I'm 18 years old. Like I can make my own decisions, whatever. But I remember, you know, my mom and at the time being like, you need to do this because you know, and this kind of goes back to like having that happen at 15. And then I actually told my mom what happened and she was like well that's your fault like that's your fault like i can't like you're and basically you know it was like well you're a slut all these things and it was just really really bad and it made it very like hard for me to feel close to her so i didn't have like really much of a relationship with her after that and it was just it was just a lot and honestly like i feel like for me like i never processed anything like i didn't i didn't even want to say it out loud like i remember being in therapy and like finally talking about this i just hated it i'm like cuz i felt so bad i'm like this is and then i started to believe what my mom was saying like this is my fault like this is my fault even though it wasn't at all i started to like think that way and be like, I'm bad for this having happened. And that kind of resulted in me having like issues with body image and, and like, and eating and stuff like that, because I just was so like upset at this happening and just kind of like almost in a way, I don't even know like how to describe it, like trying to control something in my life. Cause I felt so out of control and I'm like, at least I can control what I'm eating. I can control that. So I'll do, I'll do this and see what I can do with this. And it was just, again, you know, not a like really bad way of trying to cope with something and get moved past something. So for that was the first part of the answer right there is dealing with my unresolved trauma, like talking about it. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's like hard. It's not easy. You know, we all have our own stories and whether or not, you know, depending on what level of severity, like something that you've gone through, like just be able to face it was the biggest step for me. So going, facing that, and then turning around and looking at myself and being like, what do I have to fix with myself? Cause that's when I I started to notice, I'm like, I have a really bad habit of just beating myself down and being like negative the way I would speak to myself was so critical and actually like abusive, like the way that I would talk to my own self and be like, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Like all these things that I would say to myself. And I'm like, I need to stop doing this because, and then I started to say like, how can I do this? So I start. that's when I really, when I started diving into personal development and mindset and like reading more books, you know, like checking out more podcasts and looking at my environments. Like, where am I spending the most of my time? Who am I around the most? Like, who are the people in my life? Do they support me or do they like, are they mean to me and like treat me like shit? And why am I allowing that? You know? So actually making these changes and looking at my habits, like, what am I doing with my time? And is, is, are these activities helping me? Are they, harming me or they keeping me where I am. So I had to do all of this work and it was a lot and it was hard because it, sometimes it is hard to look at, have to look in the mirror and say, I have toxic behaviors. I need to like understand this and try to change it because I feel like at least for me back then, it was always easier to try to blame other situations or blame other people or then even use being bipolar as an excuse. Like, well, I, I yell like this and get mad because I'm bipolar. Like, it's okay. Like, no, that, that's, that is not like, that's not a thing. That's not healthy. (laughs) So I'm like, so I had to become aware of these things and say, Oh my God, like, this is, this is how I'm living my life. 
this is how I'm treating myself. And this is how I'm treating other people around me. Is this what I want to keep doing? Do I want to keep doing this or do I want to be better and actually be happy? So that's when I started making these changes, started cutting out different habits and started doing different things like reading more, going back to working out, you know, surrounding myself with people who are, you know, driven and, and excited about life and supportive and excited about even just be having me around, you know, people like that. And then putting myself in better environments instead of, you know, always going to the bars and the clubs and getting drunk and blacked out and let's, go over here or, you know, back when I was like single, like whoever I match with on Tinder and just going like serial dater and like all this, like just negative, like toxic habits. Like I had to confront that and I had to become aware of it. And it was super uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm the one doing this. Like I'm, cause that's, that's the reality of the situation is we are the ones in control of our lives. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that when we're struggling, when we're in a really bad situation, we start to feel out of control. And, but the thing to remember is that, you know, tomorrow is a new day and we can decide how we want to live that day, what we want to do that day, how we want to think about that day, instead of starting that day and being like, all right, this is going to suck. And like when you, of course, when you go into something with this idea and this mentality of this is going to suck, or I hate all these people or the, no one likes me or everyone, like when we start to do this and get into this habit, of course, you're going to be not a happy person. You're going to be miserable because you're making yourself miserable. So let's start making ourselves better by working on ourselves, trying to change different things, trying to grow in different areas. And you know, it is, it is a dead, it is, it takes consistency and you need to be like serious about it and dedicated. But honestly, I can tell you doing the stuff that I've done, if I didn't do this stuff, I would still be in the place that I was where I was not happy, where I was struggling, where I was very, you know, I wasn't a a fun person to be or be around. So, you know, I had to make these changes and everyone can do it and everyone is capable of it. And that's really what I want to help people with when it comes to mental health is, you know, overcoming these traumas or whatever it is that is like clung to our struggles. Like where is this coming from? Where's the root of this? And how can we move forward from this rather than feeling like we have to stay there? is what I, I, I like helping people with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And you said something <laughs> so, so cool too there is that how important I've, I've learned this too. I just wanted to share is uh, how important and what isolation in the, you know, our, our lockdowns have really taught me is, you know, you got one person, you got one person in your life that you've got to live with for the rest of your life. And you're looking at them and right in the mirror, <laughs> right? And that's tough for a lot of people because of uh, all the things that you mentioned, all those toxic relationships, all those toxic uh, events that we we look for as distractions. Um, and we don't have those luxuries right now. So we have to really face up. And uh, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said is is getting back into reading and, and really developing your personal and professional development. Could you share with the audience um, some of the most fundamental books, if you have like one most gifted book that, uh, that you send people on or, or an article or something, is there something out there that people could latch onto to pick up? Oh yes. Okay. I love this question. I actually, I actually answered this yesterday. I was on another podcast and they asked me about these and I literally pulled up, I have a list, you guys, I literally have a list of, so (laughs) I have a list. Okay. This is the, the books I want to read list. And you gave me three that I put on there. So now my list is at, like 132 books <laughs> that I want to read. Okay. And the books here are the books that I've read. So these are, I'll give you guys really, these are really, really good ones. So I like think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. That is an incredible book when it, when it comes to just mindset and all areas of our lives, trying to understand and have awareness of how to get better in these areas is a great, great book. And then also I like the five second rule by Mel Robbins. That one has helped me because she talks about, so basically the five second rule, right? When you count to five and you want to do something. So say like you want to, like someone's walking by on the sidewalk and you want to give that person a compliment. That was, I would always get like, I don't know why I would get such bad anxiety. Like I would see somebody or I would see a girl with like a pretty dress. And I'm like, I want to tell her her dress is pretty, but like, how do I like, I'm like, how do I say that without sounding weird or whatever? And then you just, you literally sit there and you count to five and just do it. You just do it. You give a compliment, you say something and it just helps you with, with a lot of things that were like for goal, goal wise. So that one's a good one. So they can grow rich. The five second rule. I love 
the the latte factor also atomic habits is a good one because i'm i'm super into like habits and like how to form you know good habits and how to get eliminate ones that are hurting us so that's a good one um daring greatly is by brene brown that one is good um also i have like so many and then there's rich dad poor dad um there is there's millionaire success habits um and act like a success think like a success is by steve harvey i think i don't have yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, i'm like why don't i have everyone's names on and then everything is figure outable but there's honestly and then eat the frog oh my gosh that one yeah so good so that one i love that and then the power of positive thinking i could literally read to you guys like my whole list you could but but actually you know what i think you should do you should post this as a as a thing and we'll put that up in the show here's the list of resources of books but honestly what i would encourage you guys to do is like just literally go on google and like type in like what do you want to get better at what do you want to grow more what do you want to learn more about and just type it and then there's some books or just, you know, there's so many recommendations and like places, like just ask, ask people, you know, like what books do you, have you read? Or like, what, what's a good book or what's a good message for this? Because I honestly, I love on not only reading these books, but then taking notes on them because I literally have a notebook where I'll, every book I read, I'll have like a section where I take notes and then I'll go back and reread the notes. And I'm actually thinking of like, probably like typing them all up into a document and printing them out into like a little book. And then having all my notes from my book notes and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think, I don't know, like, I just love reading. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it makes perfect sense. And I think the big thing that uh, a big takeaway here, especially as a musician and a creative mind, we get really stuck with you. We've alluded to it with the imposter syndrome. I wonder where I am. And we've got this identity thing and mutual friend of ours, Mark England, um, being a, an enlisted coach myself. Um, we build these stories from like childhood, right? And then you, you got to ask yourself, like, how many of us in the room, Mark does this on his TEDx, how many of us in the room have changed since the time we were eight years old, right? Of course we have, right? So why on earth are we holding on to these stories from our childhood into our adult lives where we're still worrying if I can make that compliment to that girl in the dress? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. of course you can. Like, and what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? Like, I love so what? That. You're weird, right? No, I know. Great. I love I love that so much. Or it was so funny because I would even be like, I don't know what it was, but I would be like walking by and like someone else would pass me on the sidewalk. And like, I would be like, I wish that I could be the kind of person who looks at people and smiles because I would always look away. I'd be like, oh, like, I don't know what it was. Like, I would just get like anxiety or something. Mm-hmm. And like, people would look at me and I'd just be like, I would look away. And then I'm like, shit. And then I would feel bad because I'm like, sometimes they would smile and I would like look away. And I'm like, why am I like this? I'm like, why am I like this? Like, just like smile. Like, what is it? Why is it so hard? So I think that you're so right. Like we we have these things or these habits that we d- we developed from such a young age that that's just how it is. But we're afraid to like break out of that because like what, what's going to happen? Like nothing, nothing. You're not going to die. Right. You're not going to, you know, and it's, and that's what I think is so powerful is that we have the ability to change these narratives and these stories that we tell ourselves. So like, I mean, literally my like example was the whole bipolar thing of being like, if I tell anyone about this, then basically my life is over. You know, that's, that's literally how I lived. Like no one can know this or else that's it, like whatever. And I rewrote that and was like, no, like I can use my story to help other people and to, and to inspire other people and to restore hope into other people who have struggled with this because I've seen it from both perspectives. And if I, if I'm going to sit here and be scared of this, my entire life, I started to reframe the way I thought and say, you know what, who, like how many people are going to be hurting as a result of me not holding back this information when I could have helped people. That's what, how I started to reframe that instead Mm. of being like, how can I serve other people and help other people in a, in a way that will actually be effective for them instead of just being afraid of them judging me, you know, (laughs) because you're going to be judged regardless. You can, you can be like, no matter what you do or what you say or what you wear, whatever, like there's always going to be people who are not going to like you. And then sometimes you don't even know why they're just, they're just not going to like you. And that's, and I remember that used to just bother me and I think that was because I have like really like back back in the day like super people pleaser like always wanted like everyone to like me and it's like this person doesn't like what did I do wrong like and I would just run around in circles like trying to figure out why people don't like me and that's like no like 
That's yeah, so bad. Yeah, I so, know, right? Oh my gosh. That's so evident. And like you could list a, a, probably a more extensive, if I dare say, a more extensive list than your book list of how many musicians face that. <laughs> Why don't they like my music? Why don't they like my song? What am I wearing? What am I doing wrong? Nothing, man. Like it's it's not about you. Get out of your head. Get out of your ego. Get out of it. It's not about you. It really isn't. That person isn't going to like you no matter what you do. So just move on. Right. Yes. It's, yes. it's just like, cool guys. Like, okay, cool. And it's, it's oftentimes because we're so close to that story, you know, I'm putting my hands up in front of my face. It's like, we're right here. We're yeah. so emotional with it that when we take a step back and we breathe nice and low, we get calm, we get cognitive focus. We can think about it. We can look at it and say, that's them. That's on them. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, then we're, and we're sometimes excited. honestly, like what it's like a crazy two to think about, but like sometimes the stuff that you're doing, people just aren't interested in that. Right. So like for me, for an example, like I'm not really interested in learning about like trees, right. Or like art, like cutting down trees or like, I don't know, like some random forestry. Some, yeah, forest. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just not into that. Right. So, so this, so say there's like a guy over here who that's his business and that's what he does. And he's like, why does this girl, like, why isn't she interested? And it's because, you know, sometimes people are just not into this stuff. They're not interested. They're not passionate about it. And no matter how passionate you are and how excited you are, you're not going to get that. You're not going to convince them. So don't worry about, you know, taking it personal. Cause I know it's so easy to like go personal and be like, they don't like it because they don't like me or whatever they don't, you know, but it's like, you, you're going to affect your energy by doing that. And that's what I learned is like, I would get, you know, you, you can even talk about like cyberbullying, right? Like you get people comment mean things on people's pictures, or you see people doing that to celebrities all the time. Like, do you think that that celebrity is like looking through like their 500,000 comments and being like, look, someone said I'm fat. Like, you know, someone said I'm like ugly, like, oh my God. Like if we literally took everything so personal, we would die of just embarrassment and like shame and being rejected and all of this. So, you know, that's what, and it takes a long time. I feel like at least for me to develop that and to not want to like snap on people when someone is like, sends you, sends you a mean message out of nowhere. And you're like, I don't even know this person, but that, but this is the thing to understand is when people do stuff like that, it has nothing to do with you. I learned a quote. That's what it said. Like when someone says or something like that is hurtful and they don't even, you've never met them. They don't know you, nothing, whatever. And they send you something. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and what they're going through, what they're experiencing. And maybe they were triggered by, I don't know. I don't know why people do what they do. And like, you know, we can literally sit here all day and try to figure it out. Like, why does this person say these things or whatever? But I think the point to take home is like, just to understand, like, know who you are, know who you are as a person and like that and, and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to work toward and focus on that, focus on what you love, focus on the people in your life who are there for you. And like all these things that you have that are blessings instead of this mean comment someone said to you, because that'll ruin your day. Like that'll literally, I used to let it ruin my day. I remember I would get messages and I would just sit there for like, hours and be like, why did, why are these people saying this? Like why? And, and then it's like, you're, you're wasting hours of your energy by being mad about this message when you could have been doing something else, yeah, you know? Yeah. Living your life. Yeah. No. Yes. And what a, what a good, uh, vantage point to jump into like where people can hear you and, uh, and get your message and maybe get their message to you. Cause like I said, like you're the first person, uh, that's, uh, that's had such an outgoing outreach right on your own, uh, brand and on your own platform for, for people that are going through any sort of, uh, maybe they've got a personal story where they've overcome some challenges and they want to talk about it. This is a great platform for people to express and communicate that message. And like we said, start to normalize that that whole holistic health, physical, mental wellness, yes. everything around it. Um, but before we get into that, I want, we want to touch about that. We also want to touch on your book. I'm very excited <laughs> about that. Okay. Yes. But I do have a really highly, highly important question for you to ask. I know we're in lockdown right now. Yeah. And you're on the West coast, right? Right. Yes. I yeah. am in Arizona. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, kind of West coast. That's <laughs> not really a coast, <laughs> but yeah, we're... Kind of, kind of, you're in the desert. <laughs> yeah. The desert awesome. for sure. Yeah. Love it. Okay. But I mean, I'm sure you guys are in lockdown too. Have you got a dream concert that you cannot wait to get to see? What is the artist? What is the band for people yes. out there? What's so, the artist when things open back up? Where are yeah, you Yeah. So the concerts I always loved going to, I, I, Lana Del Rey, Lana Del Rey. I used to, I've, I think I've gone to three 
And I just love like just the energy. And that's what I really love about concerts and like actually being able to physically be there is like you feel it in the air, like you get you can you have like the opportunity to like meet other people, like connect and just it's so fun and like be there present and like hear the music just like all around you everywhere. And that's what I I'm excited for. Yeah, for sure. Like being able to and and just honestly, any concert. Like I know for me, like I'm not really a big like country person, like country music, but I will go. I've been to um country thunder, this yeah, uh, country thunder before, but I'm I'm just not, I don't really know any country music. I don't know. I mean, like I'll listen to it. I'm not gonna be like, I don't want to go, but I just anything, like I'll go, like I'm excited, like just to go back out there and like be (laughs) around you know, people again, once, once we can, that would be amazing. And just to, to do that, but I love, yeah. Lana Del Rey for sure. hundred oh, percent. So with you, I mean, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like that it doesn't, you said it great. And this is a great way to kind of cap that too, is that it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't know, I'll go because it's yeah. so much more about the energy. That language is, it, it spans borders. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what country you're from. It doesn't mean anything when music hits the floor, right? You're just like, yes. yes. It's just this vibe that just hits everybody. And that room is just a, just an energy. I love that you said that. <laughs> Let's talk about your book briefly here and then yes. where people can find you, where you're so, at, where you're hiding. Yes, you guys. So yeah, so my book is, it's not out yet. So I actually have a call today with my editor, the first call ever. So I just finally committed to an awesome editor and I'm super excited to you know bring this out and actually make it a reality because this book is something I've been working on, I think for over two years now. And it's where the podcast stem from, because this is my story. It's like literally my whole story from 15 years old up until now, 25. So a whole decade of my life. And yeah, it's really just basically a story of hope, right? And resilience and recovery. And how did I come out of these places in these moments? And what did I do? And what, what tips can I offer you guys? What tips can I bring to the floor that can be helpful? And just everyday people like wanting to learn more about what is it like to have struggled with bipolar disorder? Like, where did this come from? Like all these questions, right? So putting that in the book, that is what it's all about. And I will be sure to, you know, of course, like update everyone once it's, once I have like a release day and like all the other stuff is worked out. Um, but for sure you can find me on Instagram at crooked illness or send me an email crooked illness at gmail.com. Um, if you would like to chat or be a guest, I always love having these conversations. And like we were talking about today, just featuring more stories and bringing more of that to the table. So don't hesitate or, you know, like think that I'm not going to respond or whatever. I will like send me it's like message me or whatever, get in my DMS. Um, you can check me out wherever you guys get your podcast, crooked illness podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, like there's so many other places, YouTube. I have YouTube, even though I don't really ever like talk about it much or like I put the, um, the, the video versions of the podcast on there. So that is an option, crooked illness on there as well, but yeah, pretty much everywhere crooked illness. And this has been awesome. I love this conversation. I cannot wait to share it with everybody. And yes, (laughs) we're, we're coming in, we're coming in hot. And guys, if you need, you know, if, if you're a, an artist struggling with a hype girl, this is the one. <laughs> like, I'm sure she'd side gig for you. No problem. Yeah. She is like the flavor flavor of uh, this has been an amazing conversation. This has been awesome. Um, I can't thank you enough for uh, for your time to, to share your story, to um, give some really actionable tips for those of us that are sitting there going like, you know, I'm kind of bummed that's cool. It's cool to be, you know, okay. That's, that's totally mm-hmm. okay. Important piece that I've taken from this is finding an identity, really getting to it, uh, yourself and staying around your tribe and, and really involving yourself with, um, not just physical people. I know we're pretty limited right now, but it's about finding the right kind of energy and not giving too much of yours away to shit. Honestly, yes. like the toxicity yes. is out there. It is going to get you if you mm-hmm. let it. And what I've learned from Paris here today is that, you know, no matter what you can, you can put yourself into those situations. You always have a choice, right? And it's about, you know, opening that conversation up first, identifying it, you know, in the mirror and going like, okay, cool. This is not what I want to be anymore. Let's do it. Right. And then pop on two chains and you're set. Good to go. (laughs) Yes. Two chains. We own it. You guys is the walk up song for me.
That is it. Awesome, Paris. Well, thank you so much again for your time. It's been a blast, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to the next one for sure. We'll follow yes. this up. Yes, exciting. Out. Woo! Perfect. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Bye. Couldn't draw clean line, couldn't rewind too late. So much for All right. Big thanks to Paris once again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That was such a fun conversation so easy to uh to chat about all things mental health and physical well-being i don't know about you guys but i definitely took home some uh some really good points on on how to just open up and be vulnerable and uh the importance of having such a strong community and uh like promised um, we've got another intake of that type of community. That's what the Music Fit Collective is all about. Um, it's not uh, a one-man show. It's not a two-man show. It is a whole village that makes us grow nice and strong, both individually but also as a collaborative unit. Um, again, our, our vision for the remainder of the year is to still empower 10,000 musicians. And while that seems like a crazy, crazy outlandish uh, far-reaching goal it really isn't that much when you empower one person at a time and then they can influence and inspire the others around them it just grows like that so you know if you guys are looking at uh, on taking agency and you know owning your own life and again coming back to that same you know you want to be the actor the lead role in your own movie this is one hell of a way to do it by empowering yourself through the things that you can control and that does start with your own health and wellness so be sure to head to musicfitcollective.com if you would like to learn about all the fun things that we're doing including free resources we've got a bunch of great infographics in there we've got a newsletter that you can be a part of to get those things dropped in your inbox on the regular whatever that means to you uh, and again people like Paris and people like Andre from last week and people like our movement coaches that have just graduated from their so excited we're we're growing guys and this is a really exciting time to be a part of it so again head over to musicfitcollective.com learn more become part of the tribe again I said it on the top vibe your tribe the people you surround yourself with are going to have a direct relation with how awesome you feel about yourself you got people in your life that are dragging you down and you will you will experience that when you try to grow can't tell you how many times you try to grow and people are going to meet that with resistance people that are in their own heads their own insecurities they're going to try to get in the way because they don't want you to leave them behind but at the end of the day if you're given the choice to let somebody else down or let yourself down you gotta let the other person down Till next time, guys, y'all stay sweet.